It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the one and the only Mean Gene UFC expert. We got Gene in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter at MeanGene0022. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Gene, here we go. UFC 268. We got Usman Covington 2. This one will take place Madison Square Garden. In New York on Saturday night, uh, you and I last week there, Gene. I don't want to pound our chest too hard. We did lose the main fight, but boy, we ended up racking up a bunch of units last week. Uh, we had first round knockouts, we had submissions, uh, we had the right side in a bunch of those fights last week. So we're coming off of—I don't want to say a heater, but we're coming off of a heater, Gene. And now we have a, a big card here. I mean, Usman Covington two, uh, Rose. Uh, going to fight Zhang Weili for a second time. We also got Frankie Edgars on this one, uh, Gaethje Chandler. And I do want to talk to you about the Gaethje Chandler fight. That will be the first one, but that fight was actually moved back. So now that's going to actually open up the main card. Gene, what's the reasoning for that? What was it, What was the whole story behind that? Yeah, so Trevor Whitman is the head coach of Justin Gaethje, Rose Namajunas, and Kamaru Usman. So the UFC just felt like, or he he had, pardon me, he had requested if if they could move back to Justin Gaethje in the Michael Chandler fight because he would have had three of his fighters in a row. And obviously, you have two title fights; those are ones that you're super focused on and, and are the most important out of your camp. So he just asked the UFC for a favor, and I, hey, it's smart. At, at the end of the day, you want pay per view buys, and if that's the first fight that's kicking off the pay per view, it gives the fans no time. To, to dilly dally and, and mess around, figure out if they want to buy this card. You know, when you got Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler kicking off the card, you know, the fans are going to get in there early and, and, and purchase that pay-per-view. So it was smart in the UFC to move that back. The only thing I wish uh, for that, for this fight, this is a fans fight right here. I wish it was five rounds. And I wonder if it was, I, I'm not sure if, when it was originally as a feature bout, if it was a five round fight, because the UFC is starting to do that now. Um, arbitrarily they make five round fights on the main card even if it's not a title fight so that would have been nice to have a five round fight but no it was it was smart from the push it back to you know the first fight of the night they'll get they'll get a bunch of a bunch of fans coming in and, and purchasing the pay-per-view early but that is the reason trevor whitman is the head coach of three of the top fighters on on this card all right gene well let's go ahead and jump into this card you know talking about chandler and gaichi we wish that these were uh, you know, some some fights were five rounds. We don't think this one's going five rounds, uh, but you're going to have Gaethje. You're going to have Chandler. Uh, Gaethje right now, uh, pretty much around 220, minus 220 favorite in this one. How are you seeing this one going? So this obviously has fight of, fight of the night written all over it. And I'm, this is going to be a common theme throughout this main card because majority of these fights have fight, fight of the night written all over it. And this is the first one. I mean, this is the fans, fans fight of the night. You had Justin Gaethje fighting in World Series of Fighting before the UFC. You had Michael Chandler fighting in Bellator before before the UFC. And you always wondered, you know, if these guys matched up, you know, non-UFC champions, non-UFC fighters, um, you know, what type of matchup would you want to make? Who, who would end up making it into UFC? And this is one of the fights that a lot of fans, diehards, talked about. So it's, it's, it's nice that we're getting it finally in the UFC. Um both these guys coming off of title fight losses. Justin Gaethje losing to Khabib Nurmagomedov. No, no, you know, shame in that. And then you have Michael Chandler losing to Charles Oliveira. I know it's a little bit of a saltier loss for him because he almost had Oliveira knocked out in that first round and almost became, 
you know, the Bellator champion and UFC champion. So um, both these guys are looking to get back into the win column. Both these guys, you already know how this fight's going to go. These guys are going to, are going to bang on, on, on the feet. They're going to, they're going to throw leather. Someone's going to get knocked out. Um, if you're looking stylistically, you know, Michael Chandler, you already know this guy, he's a wrestler, but he's a wrestler turned striker. You see this a lot with, with these wrestlers, even Justin Gaethje kind of falls into this category as well. These, these wrestlers that fall in love with striking and they rarely go back to, to the grappling and in the wrestling. And you've seen that with Michael Chandler. He, uh, he'll grapple a little bit, you know, here and there. If he, if he really, really, really needs to, if he's desperate for the most part, 99% of the time he's standing on the feet throwing bombs. And so he's going to look to land a big shot on Justin Gaethje. Um, Justin Gaethje on the other end, same thing, looks to land the big shot. But Justin Gaethje, he's evolved recently since he's gotten under Trevor Whitman. And he's really calmed down. He used to be a firefighter early earlier in his career where he would just bell rings. I'm running at the guy. I'm going to, I'm just going to swing until one of us get knocked out. But, man, he's more cool, calm, and collective, more calculated now as a fighter. And I really appreciate that, and it, it served him well. He's done a, a really good job. He ended up earning that that title fight. He he got the interim title, and then ended up fighting Nurmagomedov. You know, you already know Nurmagomedov undefeated. Like I said earlier, there's no shame in that. But um, Justin Gaethje is legit one of the best lightweights in in the world. In this fight, in particular, I just think his leg kicks are going to be the difference in this fight. He does a really really good job of of, of um, distance control and landing heavy heavy leg kicks. Michael Chandler has had issues with leg kicks in the past. Um, in particular, he fought a guy named Primus who ended up kicking um, his calf and messing up his nerve, and he couldn't stand on the feet, similar to the Sean O'Malley-Marlon uh, Vera fight, and ended up being a TKO because it looked like he had broken his ankle or whatever it was. So I, I feel like Justin Gaethje is going to utilize that aspect of his game to keep Michael Chandler off balance. And then if they ever – get into range where they're actually, you know, boxing, it's going to be a Justin Gaethje clinic because we saw him against Tony Ferguson. Uh, he does a really good job of his check left hook. He does a pretty good job defensively now. Like I said earlier in his career, he was taking a lot of shots. He's not doing that now. He, he He's smarter and he's still got ridiculous power. So um, long story short, I'm, I'm rambling on this fight. I'm super excited for it. But yeah, I, I feel like Justin Gaethje's going to get his ham raised in the sense of the price. I do think it's disrespectful to Michael Chandler to be plus 180. Um, Justin Gaethje has been hurt in the past. Justin Gaethje is hittable to a degree. You know, he, he's still to a degree likes to get in firefights, even though he's smarter. Um, I just think at plus 180, you know, Michael Chandler, I don't fault anyone taking Michael Chandler at plus 180. Personally, I just think skill for skill, toughness, durability. I believe that he wins this fight. And I, I believe that the lay kicks are going to be a difference in this fight. You know, Gene, you bring up Chandler, you know, in that big price, and that's what worries me about Gaethje is that, as you mentioned, he doesn't have a problem getting into a firefight. Now, although he's smarter, you know, that's one of the things Chandler, he can he can draw you into that. Um, and that's what worries me about Gaethje here laying like minus 210. Uh, I don't want any part of that, but I think Gaethje is probably the much better seasoned fighter. You know, the guy that has probably learned a lot of, I guess, uh, some tougher lessons in the UFC uh, Chandler's still a little raw in the UFC. And I think that, you know, Gaethje, the fact that, you know, he has, you know, fights with guys like Khabib and stuff like that, like that just, you know, that has to give him a lot of confidence. I mean, even though you go up against the best and you lose, 
um, that the fact that you can get in the ring with those type of guys um, has to give, you know, a, a, a supreme amount of confidence. So I believe both guys will come in here confident. I think Gaethje is probably the better of the fighters. And as we had mentioned there, you know, that we wish some of these fights were five rounds. We wish that they would go five rounds, Gene, but uh, this one probably more than likely will not. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play that this one's not going to go to the decision there, Gene. And there's a hefty price tag with that, and it's minus 300. And one of the reasons I want this wager in particular is because, look, Chandler could end it in, in one shot, and we know that. And, and Gaethje could do the same as well. And I feel like the price is a little bit high here on Gaethje. So I don't want to go ahead and pick a fighter. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to parlay uh, that this one does not go the distance with uh, another fight here on the card. So that's what I'm going to do for that one. I don't want to really complicate it. This is going to be a good fight. Um, I'm actually not excited that that it's the first one there, Gene, because I, I actually like the build up to these type of fights. Let the crowd get into it a little bit. Um, so it's not that I'm, uh, no, it's going to be cool to see it, you know, right from the gate, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, how the fireworks start out uh, for this particular event. And also, uh, you know, we didn't talk about the prelims, but Gene actually has uh, a best bet on the prelim card. We'll get into that after we preview the Usman Covington fight. So you guys will get that for a bonus. So make sure you stick around for that. All right, Gene, let's jump into our next one here. We got Shane Burgos against Billy Quarantillo. Uh, right now, Burgos, he's right around minus 190. And you and I, uh, we were discussing this fight, and we were talking about the uh, the interesting knockout that happened with Burgos. It was spooky. Barboza kicked him in the uh, – kicked him. I don't know, maybe it got him in the liver – but it was like this long delayed reaction to where Burgos just, uh, he just crumbled like a sack of potatoes. I thought that was one of the coolest knockouts of the year, um, to be honest with you. But Shane Burgos, Quarantillo, how you seeing that one? Again, another you know potential fight of the night. Love what the UFC is doing with this card. It's going to be action-packed. Um, Burgos, you know, he's coming off that crazy, like you said, that, that crazy loss. Um, and, but he was looking pretty good in there. Don't get me wrong. I, I felt like he was losing the fight, but he's, he looked good in there. The guy, the guy throws bombs. He's, he's a, he's a fluid boxer on the feet. He has a little wrestling if he needs it, but, uh, primarily he's going to stay on the feet. He's, he's a volume King. The guy lands over seven strikes per minute. The issue is he absorbs damn near seven strikes per minute as well. Um, it is less, it's, it's 6.1, but at the same time, you know, he is hittable. And on the other end, you have Quarantillo, where he's, same thing, strikes landed per minute is over seven, but he only absorbs four. So just based off those stats, you kind of see what's going to happen here in this in the sense of in the striking department, who's going to be getting hit more than the other. The thing that those stats don't tell you is the power, and that is clearly on the Burgos side. Burgos has ridiculous power. Burgos... Um, resume wise, has, has fought in the tougher fighters as well. And um, Quarantillo, don't get me wrong, the guy's a dog. You know, he's really light, light on his feet. He manages distance well. And the thing I like about him is he's an accurate puncher. You know, he throws crisp, crisp. <clears throat> he throws crisp strikes, elbows, kicks as well up up the middle. He he likes to push forward. He's going to stay in your in your face. He's a more efficient fighter in this matchup. Um, he's a dog. He's going to fight for your money. So, you know, at plus money, I, I don't fault anyone taking him here. For me, I lean more to, towards the Burgos side only because the same thing. He's a volume king. And 
with Burgos, like Quarantilla, if you go back and look at, at his fights, the fights that he wins, and again, against lesser competition, but if you go back and look at the fights that he wins, it's against guys that he can break, guys that aren't willing to go in the deep waters. And on Burgos' side, Burgos fights those guys, Josh Emmett. You know, he he fought Barbosa. You, you're talking about killers in, in the division. In, in this matchup against Quarantillo, I just feel like Burgos, if Quarantillo wants to take it to deep water, waters, Burgos is ready to do that. Burgos is going to be there all three rounds. He's ready, to, he's ready to stand in the center of the octagon and fight this guy. So for me, I'm going to lean Shane Burgos. I don't like the price on this. It's, it's super frustrating, a lot of these fights. Um, the bookmakers are getting better and better, obviously, as UFC becomes more of a, a mainstay in the sports world. Um, my pick is Burgos here. I think he gets it done um, via the, you know, I think he gets it done with the, with his power here. I'm ultimately probably going to end up passing this one here, Gene. But if I had to go ahead and, and really make a pick on this one, it would be Burgos. A lot of the, uh, you know, competition that he's fought has been, you know, top tier type of guys. You know, he's, he's, you know, he beat Swanson, he beat Amir Khani. Uh, there's no no shame in losing to Emmett or Barboza. I feel like he's probably the better of the two. Uh, I don't you know make lines for the UFC, but I feel like I feel like it's like it's a fair line. So um, I'm ultimately going to pass that one. Uh, I'll probably end up watching that fight next one. Uh, this should be an exciting one here. Gene, you got Frankie Edgar. Uh, he's going to come back after a uh, a devastating knockout, and then you have Marlon Vera uh, in this one too. Uh, current line on this one, uh, Vera's going to be a, a favorite in this one. It's not going to be a monster favorite uh, like we dealt with with the last card, but Vera's going to be around minus 140, minus 150. Uh, now, this is in Frankie Edgar's uh, backyard. You know, we talked about, you know, this one being in Madison Square Garden in New York. So I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of fans, uh, you know, in support of Frankie Edgar. So, you know, that could sway the judges in one way or another. But uh, with Edgar and Vera, which way are you going? Man, tough fight. Very tough fight to call. Um, back to that, the Chandler and the Gaethje, you know, the UFC having to move that fight down to kick off the card. And then you move Edgar and Vera up to the feature bout. It's not that bad. You know, it's not that bad of a move for the UFC. Cause you, like you said, you laid out there, you know, Edgar's at home in New York city. Um, the crowd's going to be behind them. And that's what worries me in this fight. When it was first booked, I'm like Cheeto Vera, man. I mean, you have the 40 year old Edgar. He he's coming off a vicious knockout, arguably the knockout of the of the year um, against Sanhagen, and and then you have Vera, who's just super tough, durable, doesn't get knocked out. He's in every single fight. Like I'm torn. We're sitting here doing this live here, and and I'm torn. I still feel like you know I want to go Vera, but part of me wants to go Edgar, and I think that's you know at that point I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away. You know, Edgar's 40 years old. He's taking a lot of damage. And Vera Vera throws powerful shots. Um, the issue with, with Vera, though, is the volume. That's that's what worries me with this fight. Like, he, he doesn't throw enough volume. And when you're in New York City and you're fighting a guy that, yes, he has a questionable chin recently, but, you know, we said the same thing when he fought Pedro Munoz and he was able to withstand the five rounds against Pedro Munoz, who he hits like a truck. And he ended up getting that decision win. I disagreed. A lot of people disagree with that decision win. Um, they felt like Pedro Munoz won, but at the end of the day, Frankie Edgar won. So it's like you get into this fight with Vera, where Vera's low volume, so he's going to let Edgar hang around for three rounds potentially. 
And at that point, if it goes to a decision, he's at home in New York City, crowds going nuts. Every shot that Edgar throws, the crowd's yelling, you know, any takedowns are going nuts. So you wonder if that sways the judges. So that's what makes me hesitant to just jump all in on Vera. Cause I mean, I've said this on previous podcasts, you know, when, when you get lines that are super close, at least for me, I feel super confident. I love Ben on those, on those fights. Picking Vera here, I don't fault anyone taking Edgar. The key for Edgar to win quickly is the wrestling and the grinding. You know, he's a pressure fighter. He's always moving. If, if Vera's going to plod and just not throw a lot of volume, it's going to be hard to, to land on, on Edgar. But um, ultimately, I, I think, ultimately, I do think that Vera's going to uh, land some big power on, on Edgar and, and get the victory. So, Gene, I do want to ask you a question because as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking about this. As you mentioned, you know, Frankie Edgar being 40 years old, you know, he's fought he's fought everybody and their mother. I mean, he's had some of the biggest fights in the UFC, you know, all time. But, you know, do you think the fact that he's in New York, that he's, you know, he's I don't want to say he's getting up there in age. I mean, he's he's certainly past his prime. Now, is there a chance that, you know, if he loses or he wins this fight, that this potentially could be his last fight um, that he ever fights in the UFC? Like, is that a possibility? Because if it is then that might sway me one way or another on what I would like to do with my wager. From from a fan standpoint, I, yes, I would love to see him retire with the with the winner loss here. But Frankie Eggers is not that type of fighter. I, I think it's going to take his his corner, the people around him, his family, to tell him to give it up. I, I I don't. He doesn't have any quit in him, and you see that in in him dropping down to bantamweight. You know, he was all the way up at one fifty five. He's fighting at one thirty five. Typically for fighters, as you get older, you move up in weight because it's tougher to, to cut that weight. He was at 155 his whole career. He would dabble at 145 once in a while. But for him at this age, you know, so 38, 39, I know he's 40 now, but you know, 38, 39 is when he made that cut down the band, or pardon me, 39, I would say, because I think it's been about a year, year and a half. He made that cut down to bantamweight, which everyone thought that that was his natural weight class. He should have been fighting at that weight class earlier in, in his career. He's a small guy, short, stocky, stocky guy. For whatever reason, he fought at 155. He ended up winning a title, a you know UFC Hall of Famer going down in UFC history, everything like that. So you know, no shame in his game. You know, I don't fault him for doing that. But ultimately, everyone felt like, hey, 135 is where you should be, man. If you were at 135, you would have been dominating. You know, you would have been arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time. And so when you're asking me, hey, is he going to retire here? I mean, yeah, he probably should, to be honest. This is the perfect time to retire. Um, he's not He's he's not getting a belt. He will never get a belt. He's done. You know, he's going to get these fun fights. He's going to be a gatekeeper. You know, Marlon Vera is kind of moving up the division. He's 28 years old. Frankie's, you know, 40 years old. So he's more of a gatekeeper at this point. So this would be the perfect time to quit. Who knows? Maybe out of left field, he ends up um, retiring here. I don't see it. I think his family, his family, his coaches are going to be the ones that are going to have to to pull him from 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 the sport. You know, if there was a perfect time, I mean, this probably would be. But you know, there's one thing that that Frankie Edgar does is you know he puts you know he puts butts in the seats, and he he's always going to be game for any any you know high profile fight uh, when you when you put up you know some good competition. And not to mention Gene too, he's probably getting a decent paycheck. You know, like this dude is, is, you know, he's been, he's been around for a long time. Like some of these fighters, they don't make a living off of being in the UFC, you know, but this dude clearly has, and he, he he's probably still clearly making, you know, big paychecks. Uh, for me, I'm probably going to pass. 
Uh, I would take Frankie, um, you know, I'll just say at home here uh, just because of, of the home crowd. And we've seen, you know, judges in the past and, you know, all it takes is a, a little bit of a oon and on and, you know, for this fight to be close and, and they might actually just give it to Edgar. So um, I would lean that way uh, strongly here. Let's let's jump into the co-main event here with Rose uh, Namajunas against Zhang Weili. Um, this is going to be uh, an interesting fight here, Gene. So we have the rematch. Zangui Lee in the last fight lost. Rose kicked her in the head, a couple punches there at the end, and, and, and it was over. You and I were on Zangui Lee in the last fight. We haven't discussed this, but I'm guessing you're probably going to take Zangui Lee again. She's just a bigger, stronger fighter. If she doesn't get caught with that head kick, Gene, she probably eventually breaks Rose down. You know, Rose looks small, she looks fragile. But there is one thing that that she has in her arsenal is that she can avoid a lot of a, a lot of attacks. But you know she can she's she can box, she can kick, uh, you know she can you know hang, hang, hold her own on the ground. So you know and, and and she's fought some of the who's who too. But I just don't know how she gets past Zhang Weili again. I just I don't see it. I think at minus one twenty five, Gene, that we're actually getting a bargain here. She should be favored. And I think that Vegas is telling us that, you know, the fact that the person that lost the last fight, the fact that they're the favorite, that maybe it was just the result of, hey, it was a lucky shot by Rose. Give her credit. You know, she went out, she won the fight. She She's a champ. Uh, we were salty about that loss. Now, if we lose this one and Rose goes out and she she beats her in, in the same way or, or, or similar way, then you know what, Gene? We, we got the wrong person at the end of the day. But I feel like we have to back her again because we felt so strong about her the last time. We're not going to switch our stance. Like I think you and I both know that that Zhang Weili is is the better one here uh, for this fight. So I'm going to take her at minus 125. Um, this is like my best bet of the podcast. And the last time these two fought, Zhang Weili was my best bet of that podcast. And I lost that. So I'm coming back for redemption, Gene. I want revenge. I'm taking Zhang Weili in this one, minus 125. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a double best bet here, man. I, I, at, at the at these odds, you know, you if you if you took in general to the public, I already know you did, and I and I did myself, but the public in general, if you took Zhang Wei Li at minus two hundred, two twenty five, whatever it was in the first fight, and now you're getting her at minus one twenty five, you have to take her. I mean, it, but the books are telling you some here when you have the champion who knocked out the challenger. And she's the underdog in this matchup. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. I can't say that I'm not nervous about it. I mean, Ro, you know, Rose is a champion for a reason. She's a two-time champion. She's being some of the best fighters in, in the division. She's legit. I mean, she's <laughs> her movement is, is great. That for me, that's X factor in all of her fights is is her movement. She's she's very fluid. She does a good job of staying on the outside, um, distance control. And not allowing her her opponent to get comfortable and land big shots on her. Um, the other thing with her is she does good in rematches. She's three and zero in, re- in rematches. So there's a couple things here that make me a little nervous. If Rose ends up winning, then we know hey she's the better fighter. Done. We're not going to be Ben Zhang Wei Li, you know, in a lot of these fights to be honest with you. But definitely not against Rose because this reminds me it has potential if Rose wins to remind me of the Joanna Young Jacek fight where she knocked her out kind of flash knockout everyone was shocked everyone had Young Jacek in the first fight Young Jacek ends up getting knocked out they do the rematch immediately 
and it goes to a decision. She comes back. She fights Jessica Andrade as a champion. She gets slammed, knocked out. She comes back in the rematch and ends up being Jessica Andrade, um, which was a close fight. A lot of people actually had her losing again to Jessica Andrade. So, but um, she's done good in rematches. I'd have to go back and find the the third one that I had mentioned. But to break this specific fight down, the thing here for me, the X factor, which when I heard this, I was like, I'm going to be all over Zhang Wei Lee in this fight. Um, I thought for sure this fight was going to come out at, a, at a wider odds. And I wonder if this is a factor outside of the flash knockout. Zhang Wei Lee, she came back to the States and she's at fight ready. Fight ready is with Henry Cejudo. We all know Henry Cejudo, Cejudo double champ. That camp in general has been incredible. They, they're the hottest camp, I would argue, in MMA recently. Um, a lot of fighters coming out of there are, are, are winning fights, super successful. They have a winning formula. And so she, instead of sticking with her coaches, I re- this was v- very positive for me. Instead of sticking with her coaches, like, all right, you know, it was a flash knockout. We're just going to come back, do what, you know, go through the same training camp, do what we did the last time tweak a couple things. No, she went to a new camp. She's still with her coaches, though. Her coaches went with her, but they're working with fight ready. And you know Cejudo, Cejudo, Olympic champion wrestling. That is the X factor for me in this fight. And that was the X factor in the first fight that I thought we would see over the course of five rounds. We didn't see because we had the flash knockout. But I feel like Zhang Wei Li, when it comes to the grappling, she is a beast. She's super strong, way stronger than Rose. Um, if she's even taken down on the ground, she's, she does a great job of, of getting up. She's powerful. She has trips. She's, she's good with body locks. She's good with controlling the clinch. That's why I picked her in the first fight and why I'm going to pick her again here. I feel like not only those skills that she had, but now going the fight ready and working with Henry Cejudo and, the, and those top, top-notch coaches – I'm with you here. You know, my best bet, I just feel like you're getting the you're getting a killer here in Zhang Wei Lee. You're getting her at minus 125, man. I'm I'm all in on her. So um my pick as well is is Zhang Wei Lee. I believe we're getting a bargain here. You know, it, should it be minus two twenty-five? Um, you know, we were proved wrong last time, but uh at minus one twenty-five, I think it's kind of a no-brainer here. You know, we go back to the well again and if we lose, then you know what? Then we'll be uh we'll be 0 for two. But let's jump into Kamara Usman. Let's jump into Colby Covington. So will be the title fight. I'm going to let you rip and run on this one first, Gene. Usman, uh, he's going to be right around minus 300. So, uh, you know, Colby Covington's going to be a, a decent-sized dog in this one. Um, these guys, they don't like each other. They've been going back and forth, you know, for a while now. Uh, yesterday, I think at the press conference, I think Covington might have said something about Usman's family, his dad, or something like that. And then they started talking about, you know, family members that were in prison. So, uh, a lot of heated exchanges between these two, uh, some interesting and funny interviews uh, over the last couple of days. But I'm curious how you see this one playing out. I have a I have a pretty strong pick on this one here, Gene, but I'm going to let you go first. So now we, we get the rematch here, and I expect nothing less. I mean, both these guys hate each other. It's, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. I was thinking about this recently. That they fought in 2019, you know, the end of 2019 uh, in December. and you know, you're almost two years later and they're fighting again. And in, in, in the sense of you still have the champion, still the champion and the number one contender, still the number one contender. It just goes to show you the, the gap in this division where it's just, it's clear cut Usman at the top. One of the greats in general, arguably the greatest welterweight 
you know, GSP obviously is there. I think GSP is number one, but Usman is Usman is literally nipping at, at his heels. And then you have Kobe Covington who loses the fight, but two years later he's still there, you know. So th- this was the fight to make. Kobe Covington, I'll just quickly say, was smart and kind of holding out. UFC wanted him to take some other fights. He said, nope, I'm just going to chill out. I know I'm the number one contender. And rightfully so, man. These guys, they're rivals. They hate each other. The first fight was amazing. The skill level was pretty cl- pretty close. Think, you know, Say what you want to say about Kobe Covington, his wrestling antics. Um, the guy is skilled. I mean, the guy has ridiculous heart. The guy... He broke his jaw in the third round of the first fight and kept fighting until the fifth round and ended up, you know, ultimately getting knocked out in the fifth round. But the guy's a dog. I mean, he is when when I say he's gonna fight for your money, the guy's gonna fight for your money. When I say that he has arguably the the biggest heart or or the most heart in the UFC, you know, I'm not lying there, man. This this guy truly will you know, will walk through hell to get a victory. So so in the sense of breaking this down, how do I see this fight two years later? I don't think a lot's changed. You know, Kobe Covington um, obviously went to a new camp. He's working on his striking, his boxing. C- more credit to him. I-, I get it. Usman, though, since he's moved to Trevor Whitman, the guy's looked incredible on the feet. Uh, he looked good in the in the first fight against Kobe Covington on the feet, but he just wasn't as fluid. He was, he wasn't defensively sound. He was taking a lot of shots. Go back and watch that fight. I mean, Kobe Covington, going into that fifth round where Kobe Covington, Covington got knocked out, arguably it was two, two. Some people had it three, one for Covington. I think they're crazy. Um, but whatever, some people had three, one for Covington, but most people had two, two. So that fifth round was a deciding round and Uzma knocked them out. So it was a very close fight since that fight. Usman has just gotten light years better with the striking. It, it, it's incredible. You saw it with with his striking against Gilbert Burns, knocked the dude out in the third round, looked incredible in that fight. And then, man, the Jorge Masvidal was just the cherry on top in, in the sense of, like, how good is his striking? Go watch that Jorge Masvidal fight. Jorge Masvidal has not been knocked out in, like, since early in his career, the guy's got 49 fights. I mean, I think in his first 10 fights, he got knocked out. It's been like 30-some fights he hasn't been knocked out. And and Usman knocks him out clean, vicious, vicious knockout, like arguably knockout of the year again for Usman um, this year in 2021. So his striking is just light years above what it was uh, in general early in his career. And then I'd argue even against Kobe Covington. So coming into this fight, it's like, both these guys are incredible wrestlers. There's, you know, Kobe Covington, amazing wrestler. Kar- Kamaru Usman, amazing wrestler. If I had to pick between the two, you know, Kamaru Usman a little bit better than than Kobe Covington. So they cancel each other out. What's the point? Why do we wrestle? We're just gonna tire. We're just gonna tire ourselves out. There's no point in wrestling. And you saw that in the first fight. So I antis- I anticipate the same same type of fight as the first one. These guys are gonna stand and trade. But unfortunately for Kobe, man. You know, Usman's just got the power, and he's a better striker. He's more defensively sound. Yes, has has Usman been rocked? Yeah, he got rocked in the Kobe Covington fight a bunch of times. He got rocked in the Gilbert Burns fight as well, where he almost was was out in that first round. So for those betters, and I was one of them who took Usman against Gilbert, he was a big favorite, and he almost got knocked down that first round. I was sweating it, but he ended up coming back and taking big shots from Gilbert 
But he, you know, after that that first round, he just absolutely dominated Gilbert. I, I just think at the end of the day, you know, Usman, he he has the power at the end of the day. You know, Kobe Covington, Kobe Covington throws pretty good strikes. He's he's very accurate with his strikes, but he doesn't have the power. He he's he he throws it like seventy percent is what he does. He throws it like 70% hits. He's more of a volume fighter. You so if you go back and watch that Lawler fight where he looks spectacular against Robbie Lawler, he was just piecing them up, but he was throwing like 70, 80%. And that's typically how he operates. He just throws it 70, 80%. He just tries to touch you up, land multiple shots, multiple shots, multiple shots, and then eventually get you out of there or at least implement his wrestling in there as well. And Usman is a champion. Usman's one of those champions, like, he's not going to give up that belt. You know, he's not losing this belt. In his mind, like, maybe he ends up getting a flash knockout, he loses. But what I'm saying is he's not coming in into this fight unprepared. Like, this dude has, has laid out the game plan with Trevor Whitman, one of the best coaches in MMA, has laid out the game plan as to, like, what Kobe's going to do. How do I how do I thwart that? What do I want to do? And what's Kobe's response going to be like? Not only is he a cerebral fighter, smart, but physically he, he's just a dominant fighter. So my pick is Usman here. I, I think Usman gets it done inside the distance. Um, that's not a bad pick. I'll have to look at the odds on that. Um, inside the distance we're looking right now is um, if you take Usman by KO is plus 155. You know, it might not be a bad bet. It's a sprinkle. Uh, you know, but ultimately, I got uh, I got Usman win this fight. All right, solid breakdown there, Gene. Solid thoughts. Uh, I will disagree with you on one thing. I think that that something actually has changed, and it, it is with Usman, and it's his, it's his boxing. You know, recently, you know, he came out and he was like, you know, I want to fight Canelo. Like this dude wants money, and I think that that puts him in in kind of rarefied air. You know, in the UFC, if he goes out and he wins this fight. I actually think the UFC is going to they're going to struggle to get him back in the octagon to fight premier competition unless he gets paid. Like this dude is now he's on the fringes of stepping into, you know, like that Conor McGregor kind of area where he starts calling the shots. He starts saying like, "Look, I want big money, dude. Like there's no nobody can mess with me. Nobody can touch me." And I believe that the fact that he's out there trying to challenge you know, guys like Canelo, which in my opinion is a little crazy, but it's telling you now that this dude wants to be paid. He wants a big payday. And if he wins this fight, uh, rightfully so, he probably should get it. So here's what I'm going to do, Gene. I believe Usman, if you've watched him fight over, you know, his last four or five fights, his striking has just gotten so much better. And when you step in a ring against the striker, the more rounds you let them see you, the harder it is for the guy who isn't the natural striker to go ahead, adjust, and actually end up prevailing. I think Usman dominates this fight this time around, but Covington does scare me because he has so much heart. He has no problem talking. He's very confident in himself, but let's call it for what it is. Usman's a champion. He's minus 310 for a reason. I think he ultimately starts to piece up Colby here uh, as long as Colby wants to stay on the feet. If he wants to try to get into the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, it's only going to get uglier as time goes on. And I think that the that the ultimate prize here for Usman is, you know, stepping into that, you know, Conor McGregor type of atmosphere when you're talking about paydays. And I do think it's going to be hard to get him in the ring, you know, at, at some, you know, normal price. Like, I believe they're going to have to throw a lot of money at this dude uh, because he's going to have to, to do something 
besides just win and and clear out this entire division in order to make a statement to say, I'm the best pound for pound. I deserve to be paid the most. And I believe that, that there's that element, you know, to Usman that he could bring to the UFC. Ultimately, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Usman minus the 310 and I'm going to parlay him with Gaethje Chandler not to go the distance. I feel that those two wagers make sense to me. So I'm going to have the first fight tied into the last fight. So that's what I'm going to do there. I clearly think that Usman is, uh, you know, he, he's stepping into a world of his own now, Gene. But I, want, I do want to go ahead and circle back real quick, Gene, to uh, some of the prelim fights here. Uh, you had a best bet. You also wanted to go ahead and, and, and touch on one other uh, best bet that you had coming off the prelim card. But you can go ahead and do those, and then we'll wrap up the pod. What do you got? Yeah, so uh, as the feature bout of the prelims, you have Alex Pajeda versus Andres Mikolaitis. And a lot of people, I don't know if the Alex Pajeda's name is familiar, but he he's the guy that, or pardon me, Alex Pajeda, he's the guy that knocked out um, Adesanya in kickboxing and glory. Um, there's been a lot of trash talk between these guys. He His Twitter handle or his social media handles was 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 um, Adesanya's father, Adesanya's daddy. So there was a lot of hype around this guy in general in, in kickboxing. Obviously, we've seen Adesanya. He's only got one loss in his career in, in MMA. So a lot of people are like, you know, who is this guy? Similar to Joe Duffy, who had choked out um, Conor McGregor earlier in their career as well. You know, Joe Duffy ended up making it in the UFC. He had a solid career in the UFC, but ended up kind of faltering out. Not as, you know, didn't really live up to the hype. But Alex Pajeda, I think, is on a different path here, man. He's um, he's only two and one in, in MMA, but he's looked spectacular in those two wins, and he has ridiculous knockout power in in his legs and also his hands. He has a ridiculous left hook. The last guy he just fought, he he knocked out. The guy was out for like seven minutes on the canvas, and um, you know the show ended up ending. So who knows? He just speculation he was on the canvas for longer than seven minutes. So. Uh, this just goes to show you this guy has ridiculous power. There's a lot of hype behind him. The UFC is bringing him in, and uh, they haven't featured. First first fight in the UFC, they already haven't featured uh, on the prelims. So th- there's a lot there. So what do you think is going to happen, you know, you know, when, when he's fighting, fighting Andreas? Do you think the UFC is giving him a, a, a tough matchup? I don't think so. I think they're, they're bringing him in to kind of show out. So – um, his issue, obviously, you still wonder at two and one. He's fight. He's been training with Glover Teixeira, which obviously Glover Teixeira is working on his wrestling and grappling for sure. We just saw that that was Glover Teixeira's path to a victory, um, to winning the title over Jan Blahovich last week. So that's the only hole in his game, quote unquote. And even that we haven't seen. Is that really his hole? But you would assume that that would be the hole in his game. So with Andres uh, Mikolaitis, is that what he's going to do is try to wrestle with this guy? Maybe. Who knows? But at the end of the day, Alex Pajeda, I expect him to knock out um, Andres Mikolaitis uh, in this fight. So for me, you can sprinkle on, on a bunch of things here, but Pajeda wins by TKO or KO is only minus 120. It's, it's, it's my best bet on, on the prelims. I feel like it's an amazing price because right now he's minus two. He's minus two fifty just to win the fight. The way he's going to win is by is by KO. The UFC set him up. The UFC wants him wants him to show out here as a featured bout, and he's going to show out in spectacular fashion because that's what this guy does. That's that's what he does. He knocks guys out. It does not matter. 
with his feet or with his hands, his legs. Um, so my, my best bet on the prelims is uh, Pajeda wins by TKO, KO minus 120. Uh, the, on, the only other one, and, and I'm going to write this up. You know, I, as you guys know, I, I do my articles for, for betting predators where I kind of dive into some of the prelims and, and other fights, you know, and, and, and also props and things of that nature. The one I like right now, um, I'm not sure how crazy I'm going to get on this fight, but the Edmund Shabazian versus Imanov fight. You know, you have Shabazian coming in, young dude. He he trains with Ronda Rousey and Ronda Rousey's coach. A lot of hype behind the guy. He's like 23, 24, 25 years old. Super young, spectacular striker, like amazing striker. The issue with him is the grappling and, and his gas tank. You know, the first round, if you can survive the first round, you're you're going to end up probably winning. Um, this guy has shown that he quits to a degree. He quits. You know, when the going gets tough and he gets tired and, and guys are kind of grinding on them, wrestling-wise, grappling. So he, he's had issues with grapplers, and he, he recently fought Jack Hermanson, lost a unanimous decision. He looked good in the first round. I, I actually picked him. I, I thought he was going to upset him. I thought after his his Brunson loss, which he lost by grappling and wrestling, same same exact thing. I thought, okay, he's he learned from that. He's going to fight Jack Hermanson, and, you know, he's going to springboard off of Jack Hermanson's name. Nope. Same exact thing. First round looks spectacular. Yes, feeling good. Second round, third round, he's taken down and just dominated. And then, like I aforementioned, Derek Brunson just dominated him as well. So um, if he's finding a striker, he should be good. He should knock him out. With with uh, Imanov here, Imanov is very well-rounded. Low volume a little bit, but the guy, he's a good striker, and he's a good grappler as well. So I feel like, man – it, the, this line right here, you have the books. They know Shabazian's skill. He's only, you know, he's plus 102. Imanov is only mi- minus 120. And I feel like this fight could turn out to be where Imanov just blows Shabazian out of the water at the end of the day. Um, same that you saw with Brunson and, and Jack Hermanson. He looks that bad on the ground. I don't know what it is. It must be his, his trainers, you know, you know, whatever you want to say about it. They're, you know. Um, even Ronda Rousey, people had made fun of of her coach as well during her run, even though she was, you know, a champion for a long time. There's a lot of hole, there was a lot of holes in her game as well. So, um, but yeah, back to yeah, when it comes to Imanov, I just I just feel like man, he he's he's a better striker, mixes in takedowns, he's well rounded, he's a longer fighter, he pushes the pace, good cardio, and this on a side note, so the pick here is Imanov minus one twenty. But if you want to sprinkle, I think this is a very, very, very good bet to sprinkle on Imanov in the third round. Um, as Shabazzian tends to gas, Shabazzian gives up. Um, a third round sprinkle is not a bad bet. Um, third round, if you if you take Imanov in the third round, you're getting plus thirteen hundred. So I know it's you know a crazy bet to bet specific rounds. I normally don't do that. It's just I'm letting for, for the for the listeners out there that like to do those fun bets, fun prop bets. Um, third round wouldn't be a bad bet. So um, the pick is Imanov. Um, I think he gets the best of Shabazi in here. All right, good stuff there, Gene. couple extra best bets for you for this card. Uh, big thanks to Gene for jumping on the podcast, sharing his thoughts. Gene, hopefully we end up uh, having a good result this week as we did last week. But you guys know where to find us on Twitter. You guys can get me a Sleepy J underscore pregame. You can get Gene at MeanGene0022. And you can find us on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck this weekend. Enjoy the fights.